0: I'm Kirsty Gillen, and I'm Laura Farlin. We are the AHSS Digital Learning Team. Welcome to our AHSS Digital Learning Coffee Break podcast series.
1: It was really interesting to see projects that were trying to engage critically and in a deep and meaningful way in what does it mean to learn something online? What is the difference between sitting in a lecture for an hour Um, interacting with fellow students, interacting with a lecturer, watching a pre-prepared video. What is the difference between that versus an hour spent Googling the same subject or an hour spent on social media researching the same subject? You know, what is what's qualitatively different about what we offer as a university? So what can we add in terms of value for the use of of a student's time?
2: The team have a really interesting conversation with John Moriarty, who talks through just some of the ways that staff at Queen's University have adapted to the short and long term changes in teaching and learning brought by the pandemic. John uses the context of his research interests, which include organisational working environments, employee interfaces and work cultures and experiences, and reflects on some of the nominations in the Innovation category of the AHSS Digital Learning Awards.
1: Thanks very much for having me. Uh, I'm John Moriarty. I'm a sociology lecturer here at Queen's and my research, I'm broadly speaking an organisational researcher, so I'm interested in work uh, in the places where people work, uh, the environments and in how employers interface uh, with their employees, whether that's through uh, how they manage practice uh, in an organisational setting, the type of policies they have, or the type of work culture, the experience that people have when they go to work every day.
0: The first question I have for you, so we, just to set it in context, we ran uh, some AHSS Digital Learning Awards and you were looking at some of the nominations for the innovation category and just based on, on your research and everything um, and your experiences, what, what have you seen there that has been of interest to you?
1: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to look through those. It was a really interesting set of projects that were nominated, uh, for awards and really diverse. And I think that's the big first big theme that, that comes out at me. I mean, it's been a really interesting time to be a work researcher, obviously over the past 16 months as, as people have adapted, uh, to really different circumstances. And in some ways there are. Things that are quite uh, universal or, you know, things, uh, you know, such as the enhanced role of, of digital media, of digital communications, of, of remote working for a lot of people um, or socially distance working for people for whom remote working isn't possible. Um, so there are a lot of those universal uh, experiences that people people can relate to. But then there are really specific circumstances and contexts and specific challenges and even within Queen's within our faculty you have people who have been trying to manage you know frontline uh, training programs for for students uh, that are going into frontline services Uh, then you have students that are not as far along uh, in their journey um, who are just really trying to get to grips with you know life in university life as a student um, the interaction with other with other students uh that's so key, the group work dimensions um so there are all just different challenges layered across um and some um some some academics uh some lecturers are facing several of those uh problems so yeah, it's the diversity uh across these different innovations uh is really interesting to me. And then the extent to which people have had to like re- take a huge pause and then re- and reflect on, well, why have I been doing things a certain way for however many years uh, I've been doing them? And you know, are there people who you know think uh, on a regular basis, you know, either you know somebody like me who thinks about organisations a lot and thinks about workplace practices, or somebody who's you know maybe more on the educational side who thinks about modes of learning and modes of you know what we call what we call pedagogy and so it was really interesting to see you know projects that were trying to engage critically and in a deep and meaningful way in what does it mean to learn something online you know what is the difference between sitting in a lecture for an hour um, you know interacting with fellow students, interacting with a lecturer, watching a pre-prepared video. What is the difference between that versus an hour spent Googling the same subject or an hour spent on social media researching the same subject? You know what is what's qualitatively different about what we offer as a university? So what can we add in terms of value for you know the use of a, of a student's time? And it's, you know, it's clear that there's, there's lots of people that have been really engaging with that subject in terms of thinking about, you know, what is a really well spent hour from, from a student's perspective. So like a good example would be a lecture in, in international studies, uh, who was using a student book club throughout the term. And, you know, there's a huge upfront cost uh, to trying to set something like that up. You know, it's not easy from a lecturer's perspective. They have to organize groups, set up those groups in such a way that they can interact on teams. If there's an assessment component, they have to replicate all of that uh, on the e-learning platform we have on, on Canvas. You know, they have to give suggestions for books, give guidance, support all the groups, you know, build empathy between students who are in very different circumstances. Some students are very well set up um to you know work away from home to get through their their reading on their book some are very dependent have been very dependent on the library throughout the year just in terms of getting a connection or getting a quiet headspace so you know in even in in and in a very uh well thought through uh exercise which which looks great on paper there are just all these complexities uh that arise uh immediately that uh, a lecturer just has to think their way through and navigate their way through so you know the fact that people have sat back and reflected on um you know what a student's experience is going to be of the year and then tried to try to tailor that online version of the student student experience um, with all these different objectives in mind it's just yeah it's, it's that's a really interesting theme that I found came through from a lot of the projects
2: so, what we'd like to know is what did the shift to online teaching mean for you, um, in terms of you know personally and for your students, and also just for um, colleagues in the wider institution.
1: Yeah, um, it's been really interesting, and again, just reflecting on some of those experiences that are reflected in the in in those different in those different projects, I think I can relate to a lot of the challenges and to a lot of the drives. And one of the key things is like there is something that happens in the classroom. You know, there like obviously there's a lot of people that do a lot of their studies online in, in the modern day, and there's a lot of mo- online learning that happens. But there is still something you know special, and there's still something of, of value to 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 being in the room. And you know, there are are teachers in our university and across uh, this you know uh, higher higher education who really really value you know the ability to read a room get a sense of which students are really with you you know use the students examples and I'd be in this category as well be like constantly putting questions back onto the students um, not to be monologuing uh, as I do have a tendency to do sometimes but to Keep trying to keep the students involved and respond to what they're saying. You know, bring in. I I teach sociology, so I'm able to bring in items from the you know the daily, the weekly news. You know, things that are being discussed at the moment. Um, very often, I teach uh, a module called Digital Society, um, so very often the students are more up to date than I am on you know what exactly is the attraction of TikTok or which you know online uh, personality is ga- gathering a big following and what kind of controversial things that they're saying so usually i'm finding out things in 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 the classroom and then trying to you know filter that through an understanding of you know what's the wider what's the wider significance of this and what, what what can we take away in terms of in terms of broader learning about how society is structured um and there is a real challenge trying to replicate that on online when you're doing this type of behavior that I'm doing here with you now, which is speaking into a camera, trying to gauge the extent to which the words are resonating with the person. Um, or, and and that's particularly difficult with a large group. So a you know, hundred, you know, students. But as far as you can see them, they're just, you know, a box or an initial or a profile picture. Very hard to gauge the, the, the extent of, of engagement. Um so, you know, one thing I was really struck by was, you know, using that book group example, but also using there was another good example where, you know, students deliver their own tutorials to one another. So putting it back onto the students, trying to replicate that interaction that you can generate sort of spontaneously in a classroom. Um, but then setting up setting up a structured way so that students are, I don't want to say being put on the spot, but being just gently coaxed out of their comfort zone so that they're driving some of the the discussion in the class and that it's not, you know, all passive. I think, again, one of the challenges is because a lot of this teaching and learning, you know, is being captured in a way that it's being recorded and people can replay it. Again, it can be hard to convince somebody that there's a value to being really switched on and in the moment and following it and not be on their phone simultaneously or have multiple windows open in the background. And um, so I think that thing of having students, you know, deliver tutorials or lead a discussion group, you know, really take, taking, taking the front foot in the learning experience. That's something that makes it really clear there is value to being there. You know in that in that moment for you because if you're the person presenting you know you're getting feedback from your fellow students you're hearing yourself say something out loud so you're making sense of it in that moment um, or if you're um, attending and you're you're participating in a tutorial that a classmate is giving you know you're giving them support you're hearing it through the words of you know a peer rather than a lecturer so maybe you're hearing it in a way that you can you can connect to. And there's something about being there in that moment that is slightly more valuable than just kind of watching it, rewatching it uh, in a recorded way uh, later on. So yeah. So to coming back to your question, in terms of how, you know, personally, I I found it was you were constantly, you know, weighing up. Um, you know, I, I found I was weighing up uh, the the you know the benefits, the potential benefits to a student uh, of doing things a certain way, trying to stay faithful to the original learning objectives um, that, uh, you know, that we all agree as a, as a, as a faculty team. Um, and also just the challenge of just being, being present and trying to do something of, of value in the, in the moment for the student.
0: I'm interested to know what sort of strategies you built up from your experiences of, of the past year um, and also your reflections and your observations of colleagues and students as well. What, stra- what strategies are you hoping to take into next year and then the future after that uh, with your own teaching and learning? And is there any kind of other ideas that you think would be good collectively to take forward into teaching and learning?
1: One hard one lesson, I think, was... Thinking, as you say, a little bit strategically about the use of, you know, di- of of digital communication of the likes of video or audio for for a student audience. Um, I probably would have been on an an area of the, the spectrum which would have been quite interested in um, using all those tools to, to 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 the best of my ability and to the in a way that students can relate to, so I would have already been doing things like audio feedback uh, for student assignments and things like that. Um, but now, when I'm thinking about communicating rather than one to one to with a big group um, via a digital medium, I'm starting to think about you know what can you what can you record or use? What could I what could I use that is somewhat evergreen? So it could be could be used again, you know, without me having to go through all that effort again a second time uh, in the following year. And, you know, just recently I was watching back a summer school presentation that I video recorded last year, and I realised that for this year's group, I mostly wanted to present similar material, maybe update it a little bit. Um, But I probably could have done that, you know, I could have used the same video had I been thinking at the time about using it over multiple years. So kind of having the core of the thematic material um, recorded on the video and then do notes or do exercises that bring it into 2021. But as it was, I had recorded it with a lot of very contemporary references to things that were happening in 2020, to the stage that we were at in the pandemic at that time. Um, I think I was even referring to Liverpool as the reigning premiership champions. (laughs) So things like that, which date your video almost immediately. um, Think about just is there a way to just keep it not bound in time in such a way that it might be of use to you, uh, you know, without having to do a very involved editing job at a later stage? So I think the version of that that I've done for 2021, I think that could be the core of a of a lesson or a lecture in future years, and then, as I say, I can provide the sort of written material and guidance around that. Um, and I think a lot of it. well, okay, again, um, I opted in in a module to, by and large, in my in my teaching modules, not to do too much. Pre-recorded material and to mostly like hold the class in the scheduled time period. Now, some of the feedback I got was that the videos weren't exactly riveting. Um, to which my response was, well, to an extent, you had to be there. You know, the, <laughs> the the point of doing it in the timetable period was to give students a a, a chance to ask questions mm-hmm. and input yeah. into the uh, into the material. Um, but yeah, even even there, there's a certain balance. So there's some. You know there are sections of of lectures where, yeah, you know, you do actually want a fifteen minute or a twenty minute run at something in order to explain a concept. And if that concept is fairly stable, and if your if your examples, as I say, aren't too contemporary or of the minute, that's something that you can kind of capture and put in a snow globe, and uh, you know, is potentially reusable in the future. But it just requires maybe looking at a you know a two-hour lecture that I might have planned out in the past and seeing well which are the components that I'd like you know to be able to to, to recycle and then in a future year you know I might be able to post that section online and then be able to give that 15 or 20 minutes uh, in class to do maybe a very brief overview of it but referring to well you'll'll you'll, you'll benefit from, from from watching the video in full but then giving it over to some class discussion time. Uh, some group work. So it's kind of nudging us towards, you know, an idea that's been in circulation for a long time about flipping the classroom and involving the students more and focusing on um, what you can do with them uh, in the room, you know, what's important for you to be in the room for them to do and what can actually be be moved into kind of a store of, of material. And as I say, that's not straightforward. There's a lot of work in pre-recording and pre-editing um, videos, but I think thinking about the way in which that can have you know make long-term savings over <laughs> over multiple years in terms of time effort. Um, and and a particular one that I'm, I I probably would never have gotten around to this uh, if not for the pandemic. But for a lot of years I've been doing kind of computer workshops where I. Was demonstrating live in a, in a laboratory, um, you know, a, a statistical program that was new to students. And this year was the year that I finally got down to getting out, um, a, a software video recorder and just creating. Um, a series of links and just breaking those, that sort of 12, 12 week demo into a bank of videos. As I say, it was a lot of work, but it, the, the, they're more or less evergreen. They'll, they'll play um, just the same for the students next year. Um, and I was pre recording those so that we were, we had fortnightly labs originally before we had to go into a second uh, lockdown. But during those labs, I was actually able to just walk around. Uh, The classroom and talk to people and let them pause their video for a second and talk through uh, talk through exercises that I'd assigned and issues that were arising so just trying to maximize the their use of me in that in that classroom so I'll, I'll be I'll be sticking with that format in future years.
0: The idea of that flipped classroom it it can be a work and it and it definitely does take that confidence that what you put out there will be received, and maybe it takes a bit of uh, a sustained development in that, and and sustained encouragement to students as well in in doing what you've put out there too.
1: And I should say this is not like anything like a universal prescription. You know, this is, I'm not suggesting this is for everybody. Um, and as I say, not every course has those components that you can uh, sort of capture and, and, and put in a jar with uh, with vinegar to pickle it or whatever, just moving away from the snow globe. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. But I think, again, because of because the pandemic is such a disruptor to normal business, I think things that sounded like a lot of work, you know, in a previous iteration of, of teaching, you know, now it's, A lot of work in one particular direction versus a lot of work in in another direction so in the year just gone and because we're moving back on campus imminently um you know i i hope people aren't listening to this and saying oh well there's lost opportunities i think if people look back over the material that they have you know whether it's creating additional class notes whether it's some of the announcements whether it's um uh, so uh, for our e-learning platform for Canvas, I think people—we're actually only in year three. It's unbelievable that it's only kind of year. We're at the end of year three of its of its rollout. But I think comparing year two, you know, the year ending twenty twenty with the year ending twenty twenty one, I think a lot of people will have you know worked from their base camp of what they originally uh, created in terms of their the online version of their teaching. And then discovered and engaged with a lot more functions. So, you know, so in my case, things like quizzes and discussion forums and, and, you know, student surveys and things like that. All of those things that have been recreated. I mean, sure, there's student responses nested underneath them. But those can just be dragged and dropped across into next year's version of the module with the student responses stripped away so i actually had been doing that at the back end of the pandemic sorry at the back end of 2020 when the pandemic started we had run a couple of tutorials via discussion forums and uh, in response to some students um my my policy with student assessment is that when students make a query that i think everybody should get the answer to um i post it on i post it on discussion forum on canvas and just send the student back the the link to here's the here's the q and a thread for that for that discussion and and I make it a little, a a little sub thread, but again, year on year, that's getting easier because, you know, now I have 27 sub threads based on questions that students have asked before. And hopefully, um, if you can help students navigate their way towards that information, um, it's, it's cutting down on the amount of, Sort of questions that you have to try and field um, as a, as a lecturer, particularly if your assessments are a little bit offbeat, like some of mine are.
2: I know I know some academics um, sort of whether they have a fear or they're just not sure about sort of carrying reused work over um, to the next year. So I think it's good the examples that you have shown um, about ways that they can do it, it may help them become a bit more open about reusing content
1: as i say i think some of those mm, anxieties or fears can be quite well founded or they can be a response to a sense that you know education is very idiosyncratic like from course to course from module to module from student group to student group uh you know i have student groups of circa and. 20 to 140 sometimes. And from tutorial to tutorial, you know, across eight tutorials, you can have totally different dynamics. So, you know, there's a well-founded keenness to maintain your responsiveness and not to, you know, try and over-standardize everything. So I'd be entirely uh, sympathetic to that point of view. And I'd be very much saying that, you know, the, the, the type of innovation case studies that are coming out of these awards... You know, some of them will chime with some people. Some of them actually will probably reinforce what people already sensed was good, was good practice for them. Um, you know, like the, uh, the, the book club example is a great example, um, of something that really works for a particular discipline, um, where, or for a particular level of students where, you know, reading a book over six weeks is a reasonable uh, use of the student's time. And falls well within their, uh, within what's manageable, uh, within their timetable. But that's not every student at all. And um, uh, it's not every student, uh, group. And, uh, you know, similarly, they're great examples of use of 3D video to re- recreate class experience, simulate practice experience, which is wonderfully sensitive to the particular needs of that student group. But trying to prescribe it as a, as a catch-all that everybody should be doing you know fancy you know that 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 wouldn't wouldn't it wouldn't work or it wouldn't it wouldn't be a sensible investment of time uh for a lot of um for a lot of academics but i suppose the higher order idea is that we do share these ideas that people aren't you know in any way kind of hoarding ideas as as things that make them um distinctively great that people are doing this this kind of uh dissemination and sharing and that it's Presented in such a way and it's available in such a way that people can pretty easily access it, you know, for half an hour over, over lunch. They can listen to a, a podcast or a seminar and just take whatever inspiration. And even if it's a cautionary tale, just, okay, well, that doesn't sound like a good use of, you know, a couple of days of my, of, of my time all things considered uh, but on the other hand maybe a better use of use of the time would be you know spending a couple of hours within the quiz function of canvas and trying to work out uh, what would be a sensible set of you know quiz questions that I would expect students to be able to answer after 5 weeks of uh, of, of of the module you know so there'll be different um, there, there'll be different con- configurations And that suit that suit different people. Well,
0: rarely have we seen a replication of an idea um, in from module to module. It's it's always a bit of an adaptation, and it's also the people that we didn't hear from in these awards nominations. You know, we we we're very well aware that there are so many people out there doing things that they maybe don't feel are innovative or don't feel uh, maybe just didn't have the time to nominate or didn't want to nominate. But we're very well aware that there's so much going on out there and um, yeah we're, we're really grateful for your your reflections on those innovations that were nominated John so thank you so much.
1: Well I i, I would say as well I think by and large uh, at Queen's I think we're very lucky to have quite an understanding uh, student body who are generally quite supportive of, of academics um, I think the reps take their role very seriously in terms of engaging and I don't think I don't I've never met a rep who has a list of demands and expects you know a lecturer to you know give over a week of their time to meet to meeting every single one of those demands I think when students are communicated with and it's clear why things are being done if they're being done in a slightly different way to what they're used to uh, to explain the rationale uh, for that um and you know I think, again, I think we're, one of the things we're a little reticent or scared of is the students' sort of comparative view of different modules and some, um, you know, some academics would, 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 would go, would, would do anything but watch, you know, another, um, lectures material because that's n- nearly transgressing kind of a, a privacy. But within our teams, within our disciplinary teams, I think we have to get, develop a sense of the students' experience across all the modules. Uh, that they're taking. And I think we're doing that a lot in terms of assessment and seeing like what kind of assessments are students encountering. Are they are they getting a glut of exams in one term or a glut of similarly length assignments? I think I think we already do a lot of this. But yeah, having a sense of well, okay, if one um module is being delivered, you know, as we go back into the kind of more blended environment, if one module has a lot of you know video resource sitting on canvas to accompany the lectures and the lectures are really more you know more kind of seminar type format while another lecture is you know is is quite material heavy i think if we just are just fairly transparent with the student group about you know why you know and it's it's fine to say there's like you know, as a lecturer, I'm more comfortable speaking to you as a group uh, in class than I am. You know, a lot of us have very perfectionist tendencies. I'd spend, you know, three hours trying to generate two, twenty minutes of of content for you, whereas the better use of my three hours would be just to read, you know, read an article and read a newspaper so that I'm uh, ready to come and come and speak to you in class and uh, have thought about the questions I'm I'm asking you. So I think the more that we communicate that to to the students, I think they can start to understand why they're seeing different learning type experiences and formats uh, across, uh, across the different classes that they take.
0: A huge thanks to John for his insight and reflections. We would like to highlight an event that is taking place on Thursday the 5th of August 2021 with those student course reps that John mentioned. They will talk from their own perspectives about what drives student engagement. Please take a look at the links in the podcast notes where you can sign up for that event or find the recording in our dedicated Canvas training module if you missed the live session. We would also love you to explore more of John's research using the link provided and feel free to reach out to him using his Twitter handle with any questions or research collaboration ideas. Look out for more AHSS Digital Learning Coffee Break podcasts and please let us know if you would like any more information about anything that we mentioned here today. Email us at ahss.elearning at